Hi, you're listening to What's Brewing with Disha Charya. In this week's episode I have with me Sahiti Anjana and Anvita from The Restory Project. All three of them are professional mental health therapists who started this initiative called The Restory Project during the pandemic. They are offering affordable therapy sessions to students and also trying to strike a conversation on social media about mental health well-being. It's a really important episode that I have been planning to do since a long time now to do my bit over here in order to strike a conversation about mental health well-being and also get someone to talk about couple of situations that we face on a daily basis which affect our mood and mental health uh, about how we can overcome them. So, yeah, I really hope uh, this episode will help you um, have a better perspective about your mental health situation and also understand how you can put effort to make yourself feel better and also support people around you who have mental health issues so yeah thank you so much for tuning into this episode um i really hope you enjoy it hi the restory project and uh, i feel super amazing to have you guys here in the second season of what's growing and yeah it's been a while since i wanted uh, to discuss something about mental health and something about uh you know mental well-being and it feels amazing to have three of you here who just started this journey uh, a while back with their own like own initiative of the restory project so welcome to what's growing thank you disha and thank you for having us here it's my pleasure anvita yeah <laughs> so let's just start <laughs> off by anvita explaining what is restory project and how did you guys start it and like i guess you started it during the pandemic so what made you think of starting this initiative right okay so um first of all uh, the restory project basically the name was inspired by narrative therapy and uh, narrative therapy basically says that the stories we tell about ourselves construct our reality right and grow out of conversations in a social and political context so in therapy we aim to assist clients in separating themselves from the dominant stories that they have been internalizing so that the space can be opened up for alternative life stories which is why mm-hmm. these stories so uh, we uh, when we start, first started these story uh, we noticed that uh there was a gross uh, insufficiency in the uh, in uh, specific uh, areas uh, right as in uh, therapy is inaccessible to a lot of the minority groups and uh, also therapy is inaccessible to uh, people uh, say living in more backward areas specialized therapy is not uh, easily accessible there so we wanted something that uh, that you know we could offer to these uh, mainly these communities and also students 
who cannot uh, pay for a therapy that is uh, that may be expensive at times so uh, this was the reason that we started the restory project to make therapy accessible affordable and uh, 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 you know uh, for a, a more more of the the population more of young adults to uh, reach out and seek help yeah the intention behind the name is really nice um i did see that you offer mental health services to students at a really affordable rate and that's so much needed right now and that's so amazing that you guys are doing this and yeah um, i feel the pandemic and the lockdown raised uh, an alarm about mental health well-being um yeah it made other sectors not just like mental health professional uh, to value mental health a lot like earlier the conversation was less and probably why these resources were available lesser in uh, backward regions or around uh, to minority and queer groups but now i feel like the conversation has increased and uh, organizations like yours are doing their bit to uh, reach out to these people right right so uh, according to the who uh, recent statistics suggest that uh, there are only 0.07 psychologists per 1 lakh indians in the country which is like i was talking about <clears throat> is grossly insufficient uh, <clears throat> we need a minimum of three psychologists which is the bare minimum but uh, usually more higher income higher income countries have about six minimum of six psychologists per one lakh indians so you can imagine how yeah. uh, yeah. a gross insufficiency insufficiency yeah. right now that definitely sounds yeah. very scary and like something to be taken care of immediately mhm mhm yeah yes yes so also i think uh uh something that i need to mention is that we offer a uh, trauma informed feminist therapy and um, this basically means that we believe that the person is political and it's important to understand uh, mm. each individual's social cultural and political context uh, in order to understand them right because we don't live alone in a society we live with other people and these are our contexts definitely do influence uh, our uh, experiences and our perceptions of the world mhm yeah yeah that's definitely important uh, to understand the client story and put it into perspective so here my uh, next uh, topic would be understanding how therapy is available to minorities group in india um yeah minority groups like uh, dalit bahujan adivasis muslims christians um it is difficult especially uh, yeah it is difficult for to gain access right uh, first yeah. of all therapy itself uh, is a very is a very elite um it's something that's available only only to the elite to the people who are educated to people who are who know english because a lot of most most therapists uh, are mostly fluent in english but um yeah but of course there are other languages as well but um yeah so with minority groups um it's also really not only really is it not available 
uh, to the said minority groups it's also therapy doesn't cater to these minority mm. groups right um mm. because because um because it doesn't consider because the general structure of psychology doesn't consider um the plight of minority groups so the sensitivity is often like most therapists aren't trained to be that to be sensitive towards um minority groups right yeah so, yeah 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 i mean uh, like you said it is considered a little elite because probably uh, the availability is easy for people uh, in metropolitan cities uh, than backward cities maybe uh and yeah 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 true true so how is the situation for like uh the community the lgbtqia plus community so saiti if you could like give us a better understanding of that if uh if therapy is available to them easily or like what's the situation mm-hmm. so i mean um we all know how much discrimination prejudice there still is in india in most places for queer people and mm-hmm. a lot of them are actually worried about facing this discrimination even from mental health professionals so um, mm-hmm. there have been like many instances where they go to therapists to talk about the stress that they're facing by um, you know being stuck in these situations and mm-hmm. instead of helping them uh, feel empowered a lot of therapists actually make them feel bad about their sexuality um, they mm-hmm. make them undergo something called conversion therapy uh, which you mm. might have heard of mm. um it's a harmful practice where they try to fix their sexuality and actually yeah. something like this will it just makes their um, it adds to their stress it might manifest in more depression anxiety and other mental health issues so you can see how going to such a therapist might actually make the client feel worse and uh, also a lot of clients that go to therapists are closeted and they can't mm. just coming out to their friends family and colleagues because of uh, the harmful consequences that might come about so that's mm-hmm. why they're especially more scared to talk to a therapist and um, even though we have to keep our information confidential therapists do have the power to disclose it in case of um, harm to the client or to someone else and mm-hmm. some therapists have abused this power to um, disclose confidential information about the client's sexuality so then there's even more fear right for queer clients to reach yeah. out to therapists and they start to feel more hopeless about their lives and their future so um i mean one thing we recognize because of all of this is that it's very important for us to offer queer affirmative therapy to our clients hmm. which means that we, we we respect the client's sexual or romantic choices we affirm their lived experiences we use hmm. inclusive language like the, the pronouns that they want us to use for them hmm. um we try to educate ourselves because there's so much that we don't know and we read up more about queer issues about um uh how to make them feel more included in hmm. uh, how to make our concepts more inclusive also the concept that we've learned in psychology and mm-hmm. we actively uh, take mm-hmm. a stance against homophobia and transphobia and which a lot of people think might not be there because therapists are supposed to be non-judgmental but hmm. we also have to do a lot of learning because um, you know we've grown up in this society which is largely heteronormative so um learning how to uh make clients that are queer feel more comfortable with us is something that we actively work on yeah that's so that's so important and so amazing that you guys have taken this uh you know with so much of uh importance and respect there have been uh, 
therapists actually who have been unaware about um, sexualities and uh, gender identity and it's important for us also to be educated on that because that might cause harm to the client um, not knowing how to handle these issues um, because we have had clients who have um, gone to therapists earlier who refused to accept that um, that they they identify as another gender and they you know call them by their uh, by their dead names they uh, refused to accept their uh, chosen gender identity and something like that it's obviously really um, harmful to the client's mental well-being so yeah they're actually more afraid to go to therapists after that and it's really important for them to uh, seek therapists who are aware of um, these things yeah yeah and um uh, a few months ago uh, there was the very famous suicide of um, anjana harish uh, Hmm. she she died of suicide because uh, because of this external pressure from family uh, to uh, she was a bisexual woman and hmm. um, yeah and she died of suicide because of the pressure from family right uh, and they literally sent her to conversion therapy and uh, it clearly took a toll on her mental health and and um, yeah to not be accepted by people who are supposed to be a family is a very very painful yeah. thing to go through and um, and on top of that your you know doctors this conversion therapy is um, is quite brutal and heartless so um yeah this is uh, this is one case that that really started the conversation about um, the ethics around uh, therapy with queer people especially in india yeah yeah true i mean it's just sad that it takes um a situation like this to happen or uh, something like this so bad to happen for us to realize the importance of you know taking care of uh, someone's mental health i mean yeah that but yeah i'm, I'm re- I, even i've heard about this and that's that it was really sad uh, and not being accepted by your family because of your sexuality is like is really sad and yeah as as people as as a society we we shouldn't be having a problem with someone's sexuality at all absolutely yeah here i heard sahiti and you mentioning about how it's a constant thing as a therapist also for you to educate yourself about a lot of different things and also unlearn in uh, a lot of different things because we have been brought up in a society with uh already existing um ideas principles culture which might not be something that we want to follow or might not be something which is uh justified you know uh so here unlearning is an important uh process something that uh i have actively you know try to do as an individual all my life so anjana what's that about in the restory project um yeah you're absolutely right in that you know the way that we've been raised we have been raised in a toxic society so it is inevitable to escape the conditioning the stereotypes and biases that we have about uh, about uh, marginalized communities right and the the first thing um uh, the first step i would say is to just accept that you know we are all bigoted right in some way mm-hmm. or the other and and that's when we start holding ourselves accountable because if you deny that there is a problem then um 
then there is there's no moving from that by uh by accepting that you know uh we are we do have these biases that's when the unlearning begins for i mean we can just start by asking ourselves uh questions about how we treat uh the marginalized marginalized communities in our daily lives for example mm-hmm. um a lot of us women um we grow up with this you know with this whole idea that you know uh, um it's not cool to hang out with other women it's it's cool to be be one of the boys uh yeah and also other questions like uh, i mean queer people take a long time often take a long time to realize that they are queer because of compulsive uh compulsive hetero heterosexuality right because they yeah. are because it is a default right yeah a man is attracted to a woman a woman is attracted to a man there is no gender except uh man and woman and uh, yeah we can ask questions like you know how do we treat our domestic help right like do we do we do they have separate utensils are they allowed to sit on the same furniture as us you know things like this in our daily lives this is this is where we can start uh, unlearning yeah yeah absolutely um unlearning will start from our day to day lives you know we do need to start um the process of unlearning these we have been practicing since a long time by making changes in our everyday lives like um this one thing that you mentioned about um, not giving our maids or house helps the same uh, utensils that we use um yeah i've seen this happening every uh, like since my childhood and i've seen this happening everywhere in many many indian households like almost every indian households so yeah i mean i did get really um uh, intrigued by this thing in my childhood and i asked my parents i was like why do we do this like why do we give them another utensil and why can't we just like ask her to drink in the same cup of tea uh, like tea cup that we use and they they were like um we don't know this is what our parents were doing this is what their parents were doing that's why we are doing like i maybe yeah they came from a different perspective back then but now i don't see a reason why we need to do this anymore probably they had a reason back then but now yeah there's no need to do this anymore but uh, what surprised me now when i think about it is that my parents were doing are doing it because their parents were doing it so yeah it's it's unlearning is like a constant thing that we have to like do on a daily basis in small uh, situations in order to put it into use in bigger situations in life yeah and uh, the fact that you you questioned your parents you know that's uh, the fact that you asked your parents why do we do this that's that is the first step right just yeah. acknowledging that hey this we do treat our house help differently why is that yeah yeah that is the first step yeah that's very important to question yeah <laughs> mhm i think i can um add on a little bit to what anjana said um, yeah so even with um unlearning like a lot of therapists think that um that just involves being non-judgmental mm-hmm. but um what i have noticed is that um there's a lot of them that think unlearning means also taking like an apolitical stance and um, they refuse to comment on um, politics at all 
and this can also be quite like harmful to clients because a lot of the clients that we work with are impacted by these larger systems and uh, some of the factors that cause them mental distress are are out of their control so to us being empathetic also means acknowledging this acknowledging that they're frustrated because of these factors that are out of their control Uh, and we validate their mm-hmm. anger and make an effort to understand the helplessness that they feel so um it's important for clients to feel empowered despite their circumstances and this doesn't mean we can offer instant solutions we can't drastically transform the situation that they find themselves in but we can offer them tools which helps them reclaim some of their agency or feel a little hopeful about their future so um giving giving them a safe space acknowledging that there are power dynamics at play um in in our lives in our houses as well right yeah. and the harmful effects of this and this might actually like acknowledging this might actually bring about some change you know especially with regard to how clients view themselves sometimes they don't even realize that they're viewing themselves as inferior to people around them because of how these people are treating them but if you help them find that you know it's it's their right to ask for equal treatment it's their right to feel um that their needs should be acknowledged that's powerful in itself that's what we found yeah yeah i mean um it's uh, not just like people who uh i mean who practice a negative behavior i wouldn't say negative actually it's like a really harsh term here but uh like we are conditioned to n- see things um or like behave with people in a certain way since a long time and uh yeah we do need to change that but at the same time people who are going through oppression here also need to understand uh that they have all the rights to question they have all the rights to you know ask for their rights and be vocal about it that's something they kind of uh, they kind of feel like they don't understand they are not aware of it like you said uh, they feel inferior and yeah maybe that's why they just you know don't uh, question their rights and all of that so yeah um so another topic that i saw in your uh, on your page because you guys keep posting about different topics different issues uh, that kind of goes on uh, on a daily basis on like on social media or regular life and all of that so there's something that really um interested me was uh how to talk to your loved ones with a different political opinion because um i feel because like i, I being a journalist and being really active on social media in the past 2 to 3 years i've seen the youth being like super active on social media about news about uh, political issues and within that we everyone has different opinions different uh, they support different parties they support support different ideologies and it, within all of this um we have our friends or our family uh, supporting people who maybe we don't support so uh it, it would be amazing if uh, you know you could share some uh, tips or some ways how people like us can be friendly with our friends and loved ones or family while being okay with you know them having a different political opinion um yeah so what i mean like you said um i think a lot of us are more actively reading the news we're more we're forming 
certain stances on these issues and uh, being very strong, strongly worded in our conversations with our families and loved ones. And it often causes conflict. Yeah. Uh, also, more often it's because of the way we are communicating that sets people off. Um, mm. A basic thing about like human psychology is like, you know, when you tell somebody to believe something, um, they immediately get defensive about it, right? And uh, it's more likely that they will not be willing to listen to your side of the story if you um, come on a little too strongly about um, um, being the right person in the conversation. Because it's not about, um, you know, establishing that you're right. It's about um, making them question why they feel they're, you know, Mm. why they feel they're the right person in this conversation. It's about helping them question their um, reasoning and their logic as to how they've reached this conclusion. So Mm. um, before having such conversations, I think it's important to like have a goal for the conversation. Um, Mm. Sometimes it's not possible to, you know, if someone's been having the same opinion, supporting the same political party for years, right? It won't be that easy for them to uh, turn around and unlearn all of that in one conversation. Maybe having a goal for that one conversation. Like, do you just want them to consider uh, one act um, or one decision made by the government? And will that start them on the path to questioning more things? Will that lead them to think more on certain issues? And um, so maybe having one topic of conversation instead of attacking uh, their entire like belief system might help because it's the start, right? It's one um, seed that you're sowing. So uh, that's one thing, um, having a goal for the conversation, concentrating on one specific topic. Um, then you can also um, accept that you might not be able to change their mind because yeah. some people yeah. will very strongly uh, refuse to take in anyone else's point of view. And it's frustrating to um, keep going, keep sharing information that they're not going to look at. So um, picking your battles is also really helpful here. Mm-hmm. Um establishing boundaries, setting appropriate boundaries as to what conversations might be, you know, emotionally exhausting to you and communicating that there's lines that they cannot cross. Um, Another thing is asking questions. Like when you confront somebody with facts and these facts are um, really going against what they believe in, they will not, they they will not take these facts into consideration at all. So maybe asking them questions about their beliefs. So it helps them uh, put forth why they believe what they believe. It lo- helps them look at their evi- at the evidence they have. And along the way, maybe they'll also find flaws in their reasoning. And in an indirect way, you can get them to start questioning um, what they believe in. Yeah, another thing is um, sharing personal experiences because um, a lot of the times people um, find that they're more willing to listen to the other side if there's a story that moves them. If there's a personal anecdote, if you have um, gone through something and you have emotional attachment to a story, um, more likely that when you share that with your loved ones, they're going to feel that emotion that you're feeling. Mm. And they will realize that this is something that's important to you. And since it's important to you, they will be more willing to listen. That's, I must say, Sahiti, those are like some really amazing tips because um, uh, while you were explaining each of the tips, I, I was being able to relate to it a lot, being on both the sides, maybe the one who's being defensive and not listening at all to the other side of the story or 
sometimes I was the one who was, um, you know, not ready to accept the facts which the other person was saying because maybe I was just too attached to the so- story. But yeah, it it's um, very, very important to uh, uh, listen properly to what the other person is saying. Maybe they are emotionally attached to it. Maybe uh, they have some story to it, which like you said, uh, because of which they're being so defensive. And at the same time, being someone who's talking about it and has a story to it, we should be able to uh, tell that to the other person because otherwise they will never know that why we are being so emotional about the topic because um, otherwise they're just going to think that we are you know, starting a fight or something, which happens a lot on social media. I've seen these days, um, like people just bashing each other up on the comment section or within, you know, friends or families or even like couples fight a lot about these uh, political stories and news and all of that. So, yeah, yeah. So the fact that I feel could be uh, news fatigue because uh, like uh, there's like too much consumption of uh, news on social media, probably why, you know, maybe we kind of consume it too much every day and then it just affects our mental health because of that. And then when a topic like that comes up uh, while taking a stance for a political uh, for a political topic, we might just go too defensive. Uh, does that happen like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, also um, because of the sheer amount of news that we're being exposed to every day, hmm. it seems like such a vast amount of it is really negative. Um, yeah. and it makes us think that nothing in the world is going right. And yeah. for people like us who are passionate about making a change in the world, uh, yeah. we might feel that we're not making a change. We might feel that any activism that we do is, you know, inherently um, or in the end, eventually quite... Um, help like useless and we feel helpless uh, mm. and you you might have heard of the term sustainable activism mm. uh, which means being an activist in a way where you don't burn out yeah and uh, it is proving increasingly difficult to do that because of yeah. um, all the that we're being exposed to and uh, we feel constantly overwhelmed pessimistic when we think about the future and the problems that we face and uh, i'm sure you have experienced this um often as a journalist yeah 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 that has happened so so much uh the entire pandemic there came a point where I just went and uninstalled Instagram I was like I don't think I can take so much of negativity because uh yeah I mean there are pages just uh with some particular agenda and they just keep you know talking about it could be positive or negative or whatever they're just not ready to maybe listen to other, you know, perspective out there. And uh, being a journalist it and being uh, unbiased about issues, it was frustrating me a lot. And uh, yeah, I couldn't really understand how could I overcome this problem. Yeah, so uh, we've spoken about this also on our page before. Um, yeah. And what we suggest is we help our clients make some lifestyle and cognitive changes. Um, mm-hmm. So some tips that we've given before is uh, one is celebrating small victories. Yeah. So um, often we're looking at things in the large scale. We're thinking about uh, making a huge change. And yeah, uh, of course, when it's just, you know, when you're just one activist and it feels like it's just you against the world and 
uh, if you're, for example, campaigning for climate change and uh, all these huge corporations are out there um, uh, polluting lakes, there's, and it's just, it feels so, um, you feel so helpless when you see all of that and you think, what am I, one person who's, you know, cutting down on my, um, you know, consumption, how, how is that helping? But uh, when we look at small victories, right, like uh, maybe you've convinced your family to use less water. Maybe uh, you've uh, convinced people to um, cut down on the amount of fossil fuels they're using, something like that. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. just, or just starting that conversation somewhere, celebrating that is helpful, yeah. being aware yeah. of your limits, knowing that uh, there's only so much you can do. If you keep working on something without taking breaks, uh, you're going to exhaust yourself. Um, yeah. Then asking for help is also really important because sometimes we can't, we as a society have to depend on each other. We have to ask our friends to help us when we get tired. We have to um, encourage them to uh, take part in these discussions. Um, then we've also asked clients to define their self-worth in other terms, uh, giving space to their other identities because sometimes you think, that uh, this is all I am, right? Because it's yeah. the only way you think you're important. But you're also important as a family member, as a friend. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, your hobbies and interests are important. So giving yourself time and space to engage in these things is also a way of self-care. And um, we fail to recognize that rest is also a really essential part of activism along with forming support networks, relying on them. So we encourage clients who feel really strongly about political issues to do this. Uh, we tell them it's okay to take breaks. It's okay to look for good news. Uh, it's okay to not feel guilty about being about not being able to constantly consuming content. Mm. Uh, like a lot of people, you know, before going to bed, they'll be checking Twitter. They'll be uh, looking for updates from um, websites and other news agencies. And it's so exhausting to wake up to that and go to sleep to that. And throughout the day, have those alerts on your phone. Um, so we remind them that it's okay to not do that. Yeah, that's so important. Uh, I've seen myself being uh, caught up checking news in the morning and in the end of the day all the time. Like now I did stop checking my phone before sleeping like before one hour of before one I one hour I go to bed I do not use my phone uh, but uh, it was not an easy process like with my personal experience what I did initially was I switched to like from social media news consumption to uh, maybe um, unbiased news sources which kind of helped me you know uh, understand just news and not uh, any ideas being uh, put through it and um, and then yeah any ideas being put through it and also not uh, any comments comment section and all of that you know so that helped me a lot in just um, yeah so in just understanding like to reduce news consumption because it was not an easy process initially but yeah I did that and that kind of helped me so anyone who is like going through this could start off maybe with this, but yeah, definitely all the points that Sahiti mentioned here are so important. News is just not the only thing that we consume on social media. Um, we also, um, 
we also see a lot of picture perfect things on social media like on linkedin you see people getting jobs people getting promoted on facebook you see someone getting married someone getting engaged and on instagram uh i don't know those model like photo shoots make me feel really inferior about myself so uh yeah uh what about that anjana like um how do not get affected from those things or uh, what's your take on this um like you mentioned with the you know consuming news itself uh, one thing that you can do is limit limit your usage of social media and also just knowing that you know uh, like nobody wants to be that vulnerable on social media right like hmm. nobody is going to post a story on their instagram saying that uh, hey i got broken up with or um you know nobody is going to post on linkedin saying that uh, i uh, i don't know like i got fired today you know nobody's going to post that kind of thing and it's really important to remember that and and you mm-hmm. know maybe uh, introspect on your own social media right like what kind of things do you post do you post um sad things like that no you don't uh, well, mm. most most people don't right um and another thing that we can do is um you know is follow follow people who post real things uh one good thing that came out of uh, social media is is um you know uh, marginalized communities uh, people with marginalized bodies have have a platform right like for example fat people uh disabled people people who are uh, quite visibly queer uh, you know so uh, yeah like instagram i mean yeah instagram and tiktok uh, they have given platforms for you know people with unconventional uh, bodies right unconventional in the sense that you know because what we normally see on tv they're all very eurocentric standards of beauty yeah, right like yeah. for example you have to be skinny you have to be white you have to be you have to have a small slim nose uh, these are and we are indians we we yeah. of course we don't have those kind of features right and that's totally okay that's this is how we're born right yeah. uh, we are dark we have big noses we are we are fat or you know not yeah so these are all uh these are things that should be normalized right normal yeah. bodies should be normalized and it's ironic to say that because <laughs> because you don't see normal bodies right you don't see people with stretch marks you don't see you don't see people with these kind of features right so um yeah, yeah. one thing you can do is follow follow accounts that uh, of people who who show themselves as you know who show a real side to themselves yeah Yeah I completely agree with you uh, about normalizing normal bodies that's so important and here uh, mm-hmm. there's like a fine line of difference between um pages who post or promote normal things and who go to the extreme side you know uh, because i have seen a lot of people being on both the extremes like either they want to like they are always being like super towards promoting the stereotypes or they are going super extreme about uh not following stereotypes you know what i mean right i mean um between like the moment you go super extreme about any topic you just get uh, so 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 attached to it and get defensive and i've seen uh that affecting like even my mental health uh, a lot 
during the entire pandemic because i was probably super attached to a uh, mm-hmm. couple of issues on the extreme side of it and it affected me a lot so it's important to understand uh, the moderate situation here hmm. yeah uh, i feel that uh, you know you can you know uh, you can be extreme in a in the sense that um i mean a lot of people consider you know asking for basic human rights as extreme right so this extreme yeah. uh, this word is quite subjective right so uh, um but yeah but what you can do is is for example um um unfollow unfollow uh, pages yeah. if you yeah. don't want to see that content yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah because um yeah th- that's the point i was coming to because if you don't want to see your content for any reason unfollow the page because it is just going to give you uh the peace of mind that you want and probably the creator also because a lot of times uh mm-hmm. the point you mentioned like asking for basic human rights is also for certain people extreme they think it's extreme and they just mm-hmm. go on commenting a lot of negativity there which makes a lot of creators uh Uh, like affect a lot of creators out there who are probably doing a good work with mm-hmm. uh, like on social media and all of that also adding to that i think it's important to set some basic ground rules and you know boundaries about our social media usage and uh, you know it's important yeah. to recognize what triggers my anxiety you know what kind of content triggers my anxiety right and uh, how much of this content am i consuming on a daily basis right and how do how are the different uh, using the different platforms making me feel and accordingly limiting our usage on these platforms also helps yeah yeah that's actually true like being mindful about uh what you're consuming how much you're consuming on social media is going to help a lot in terms of understanding you know your uh, trigger points so i think that there's also a lot of emphasis on um, being attractive in on social media and a lot of body positive moments are also i mean while it's also great that um, everybody feels confident in how they look it it's and especially people who don't often see that in media i think that's really important for them to feel attractive because there's so many messages that they're getting uh, saying that they're not but um also there's a lot of pressure already on women to be attractive and um, it's uh, and not just women actually even men there's like a standard that yeah. um, they they try really hard to meet and um, so this pressure to uh, be attractive to other people that's something that uh, we can try to um, reduce by thinking about ourselves and our bodies in other ways we can start appreciating our bodies for what they do to for us and um for example a lot of people they will go they would say that they're going to the gym uh to look better right but yeah. um, being healthy yeah. is also really important um yeah being fit uh being bettering our immune systems that's something that uh, we should be caring about and not just how um uh, attractive we are to other people so i think um becoming more aware of that is something that we can work on um can, especially when we look at other social media accounts that are promoting this that make everything about this also with the social media constantly making us feel inadequate about ourselves right 
uh, we could think yeah. about some ways that we can increase our self worth right right yeah. like uh, identifying when we are being uh, too negative about ourselves right uh, identifying our strengths and acknowledging our strengths what would uh, what would you say to a friend if she was going through a similar situation right uh, yeah. why don't we why don't we extend the same compassion to ourselves that we would to another person if they were in our position yeah and also uh, staying away from uh, accounts that constantly drain our energy is also yeah yeah that's so true and thank you so much anvita for uh, giving these like small small things that we kind of forget uh, it it it's definitely going to help all of us if we keep in mind how important our body is and how unique it is you know uh, i mean i wouldn't like i feel the only way i can make myself feel better uh, is not calling it like normal but unique i so yeah thank you so much sahiti anvita and anjana for being on the show today and talking about mental health i feel super happy to have you all and yeah thank you so much thank you thank for you having- for having Thank you it was a pleasure So that was it uh thank you so much for listening to this episode it truly means a lot to me and um yeah if you like the episode please share with your friends because this is uh something that would that might benefit your friends your family in some way or the other stay tuned for the next episode it's going to be much better than this one i promise